Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. This week we're talking about something that nearly every trans person has encountered and I suspect it's something most cis people have zero idea about. And it's pretty messed up. It's time to discuss anecdotal trans healthcare. Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the empirical and objective love of my life, Susan Bridges. You know, I like that. Yeah? I do. Okay. I like saying things are like, this Like this movie is objectively bad. Like, yeah. it's I, not even an opinion no. at this point. Our guest this week is Ava Davis, Sundance Fellow, and also known as the Duchess of Grant Park. She's a trans actress, producer, filmmaker, and writer living in Atlanta, Georgia. She is also an advocate for increasing trans and queer representation, especially that of black, brown, and beige minorities. Welcome, Ava. Hello. Thank you all so much for having me on. I just got finished talking in the Duchess accent, and so I'm afraid <laughs> it's going to pop out any second. Oh, can, can we get a little bit of the Duchess accent on purpose? It's not- it's not very different. It's just a slightly more focused on enunciation and trying to sound posh. But what I like to joke is that it is an accent. It is definitely from a place, but that place we're not quite sure where. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Thank you. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your work in film and being a Sundance fellow. I, I don't meet a lot of other trans writers, so it's always cool to get to talk to another one of us. So what's that been like for you? How are things going? Um, Things are, they are, they're going. They are doing <laughs> things. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I became a Sundance fellow in 2021 that fall off of a feature film that I wrote called The Waltz about a trans woman who wants to learn how to dance and she meets an unlikely partner and it's like, will they or won't they? And I named it off of Beauty and the Beast because that's one of my favorite movies from childhood. Okay. But I had been writing before that, but somehow they made me a Sundance fellow and I, I'm still trying to figure out what does that mean exactly? I, as I think yeah. we all are, but it's helped open a bit of doors but there's been the waltz there have been other short films that i've written and then also just writing here in atlanta sketch comedy plays short plays any and everything journaling i feel very at home in writing i almost feel like i express my thoughts better in writing than talking but oh yeah same definitely right yeah yeah like it's just like it took me a long time how to learn how to communicate verbally and i still feel like it's just diary of the mouth <laughs> um, <laughs> great visual there yeah but i'm not a native talker i'm a native writer yeah i think me too you know what it is for me anyway it feels like my thoughts go so fast that when i'm talking i can't 
keep up with what I'm thinking or what I want to say. And I lose thoughts that way. So with writing, it's so much easier. It's right there in front of you. And it's like, what was I thinking? Oh, it's literally it's right, right there. there. Yeah. <laughs> and you could change it so you don't make mistakes. Hopefully, right. you know, I say the wrong thing all the time. You know, even when I'm like reading through these threads and I'll just say the wrong word, even though it's right there in front of me. And it's. Yeah, but you're like way more chatty than me. I just silently judge and put together like <laughs> sometimes not so silently. And then I took yeah. put together like tiny speeches in my own head and then mm. I decide and then I say them and then I stop talking again. Okay. Mm. I like that strategy too. <laughs> tiny speeches. I feel like that should be a short film. Tiny speeches. Tiny speeches. I like it. So what's what's the, the end goal with the writing? Do you want to be a screenwriter? Do you want to like be TV staff? Do you want to just make short films forever? Or what what's your goal? Um, I really so okay. This is sounds so horrible. I write for me. Yeah, of course. We should all write for ourselves first and foremost. Right, but also like I I mean, number one, you know, once I decided to get serious about acting. Yeah. I didn't think that I was going to be an actor. I thought, you know, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to write for Condé Nast, one of their publications, magazine writing. I studied magazine writing and it was like, I'm going to be a journalist. And I got into Grady at the University of Georgia, which hands out the Peabody Awards. I don't know if you've heard of the little thing called the Peabody's. It rings a bell. Yeah. Right. Just a little one. But then I realized I like fiction more than I like telling the truth. (laughs) So well, I was like, this isn't going to work with journalism. Yeah. Let me go back to my one love of literature. And so I studied dramatic writing and all of, started writing scripts. But once I graduated, it was a now or never thing with acting. And then, you know, so I started studying Meisner and getting on stage. And then I started transitioning. And then it was like, wow, I thought there were so little roles as a Black queer male, but as a Black trans female, it is just like, hello, hello, hello. Nothing in there. Yeah, it's out there, right? Right. So I was like, okay, I get it. Luckily, I know how to write. I can do that. So let me just write for myself. Yeah. So with all of that said, career in writing, it's, 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 I see a career in acting, but maybe in writing for myself or, you know, creating my own shows, but yeah, wanting to get into writer's rooms or things like that, I'm too much of a control freak. I, I want to tell the story that I want to tell. Sure. Well, then you just want to be a film director or a novelist, maybe. No, don't want to be, <laughs> don't even want to be a film director. No, I hate hurting cats. And that's what I always yeah. associate directing is just like hurting cats. Like, yeah, there's a lot of that. I don't need to know, like, all right, or I don't know. But yeah, so I can see myself starting a writer, writer's room. And even when it comes to my own scripts, I'm at the point now where I want to be like, so I have an idea. Let me hire someone to flesh it all out. Part of that is I'm just becoming a lazy writer. But also part of that is in the city, it is known that a very big time filmmaker does not like to bring on writers. Or that was yeah. listed running for a long time. We're not going to mention any names. Sure. But we mm-hmm. all know. We know. We know. I've got the tea. I've got yeah. the tea. So I don't know if that answered a question, but that was me talking. That's good. It's This is great, though, because, you know, the I like to open these shows by helping people get to know all of our guests because trans people are so 
cool and varied and wonderful. And we do so many different things and have so many different interests. And I think so many like cis people don't know that about us or they think we're just sort of this monolith, you know, and we're not at all. So no, that was wonderful. Yeah, it's, it feels like it, it's in that weird diversity space where it's just like people are like, you know, like you go to comic conventions and they still have women in comics as a yeah. panel. And it's right. like, what? Like, how is that? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, <laughs> just people have just interests. People. You people. could put varied people on, on every panel. Right. Not just have everyone run by the same white dudes, yeah, making buckets of money, right? Novel, novel concept. I right? wish that idea would really spread. Of like, hey, let's spread it out and not just let just one person running it all. Yeah. Okay, so for you, what has been the best thing about transitioning? It has been the best, and also the worst. It's not the worst thing. It's just an existential crisis of sort. But I remember the moment I first took my pill, like my hormone replacement yeah. therapy. And a part of me was like, maybe it's a placebo effect. But then I was like, this isn't quite placebo. But for the first time, I felt at home in my body, unlike I had ever felt. Like I just, like if you can imagine, like before, it was just like this sphere. And it was like, I want to get in that body, but I can't quite. I can't quite. Like it just, it's not right. And then yeah. I took the hormones and it was like, Finally, I'm at home. The spirit has a place to rest and reside. And it's like we are working in unison. And and so that has been the best thing. But also, it's been the best thing, too, because it's allowed me to be more authentic and more myself. My writing got better. My acting got better. Yes. Because I was yeah. spending so much less time of projecting this false image or hiding or whatever. It's yeah. just like, you know that song, I am what I am. I'm my own special creation. And <laughs> I'm an amazing creation. I love me. That was another thing, the self-love that right. came out of that. Of just I didn't like, know that was possible. It was... I, I just thought everyone went around hating themselves and be like, oh, God, look right. at that person in the mirror. Oh, Yeah, no. <laughs> and now I can't pass the mirror without stopping and looking at myself. <laughs> right? I walk by and I'm like, oh, hey, hi. I'm like saying hi, hi to myself. I'm like, right. oh, my God, you're there. It's so good. Look at you. Yeah. It's been years that you're finally here. Yeah. That's been the best thing about transitioning. But along with that openness and allowing myself to be more vulnerable and, and myself, it came with this realization of like, oh my God, I missed out on so many years of yeah. being myself around people. And I remember talking about it on another program and I broke down crying because I had gone to a Galentine's party that my, I guess we're going to say childhood friend through his wife. It gets complicated, but we were all friends in the Metro Atlanta area and we went to church together and I called it Six Flags Over Jesus. And it's exactly like you imagine. There was definitely a mega church. Why would they have a rock wall? Why would they need a cafe? But neither here nor there. And <laughs> it was just like, okay. But it was very, very red. That's yeah. the way of saying it. And so we grew apart for a little bit, but after transition, we kind of reconnected and we're all like, yeah, we don't have anything to do with that church anymore, but hey, hey, how are you doing? And yeah, my friends greeted me and I allowed myself to actually be vulnerable with them. And after that Valentine's Day weekend, it was just like, and this was recently earlier this year, but after that, it was just like, that could have been possible back then that the connection yeah the i don't know and 
and maybe part of that is wishful thinking too of like the past always seems like it's greener and you know I had to get to a safe place internally before I felt like I could transition right but at the same time so much time and relationships lost where those relationships could have been deeper and richer and yeah 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 it's it's really hard to think about because you're like like I wish I had discovered my own transness earlier and been able to transition but if I had it would have changed the entire trajectory of my life earlier right and I'm really happy with the way things are now so it's it's such a hard complicated thing so I definitely feel that all the way down to my bones yeah Yeah. I came across I just came across it and it was actually a cis person who sent it to me but the transgender bible and it talks about the different levels of grief in there that someone transitioning may go through and it talks about the existential grief which is what I just described of the past and grieving for the past that never was. And I learned that term and now I'm just running with this. Like everyone it's called existential grief um, and it's perfectly okay to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very normal thing, you know, because I've even talked several times about how I didn't get to be a little girl and do little girl things and I didn't get to be a teen girl. I didn't, you know, it's so you feel like you missed out on so much of your own life. It's, it's a tough thing. There's a definite actual real grief that's part of it. So if you're feeling that, folks out there, it's okay. It's hard, but it's okay. You're not alone. You are not alone. Find your good therapist. But I always yeah, tell yeah. anyone, like, even if you have a hangnail, go find a therapist. You never know what that hangnail could lead to. And you just want to talk it out with somebody. So Yeah, exactly. All right. So before we dive into this week's topic, where can people find you online if they would like more of Ava after this? Oh, my goodness. More of me. Please stop. Tell me more. Tell me everything. (laughs) Um. (laughs) She's wonderful and you should follow her. We have been internet friends for a long time. We have been. You can follow me on, I believe I'm on the Twitter. And then I'm also on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and it's all the Ava Davis in varying forms. Some have underscores, some don't. But I promise you, if you search for the Ava Davis on the Google or your favorite search engine, I will pop up. If you search for the Duchess of Grant Park, that's a very (laughs) much more direct way of somehow finding me. I don't know. You'll know if you find her because she looks like a princess in every single photo. It's amazing. So <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think it helped growing up that my dad called me crown prince, and that has just transferred over to being crown princess now. Sure. Okay, so this week's topic is about the intersection of trans people in healthcare. And if you didn't already know, it's pretty fraught. And not just because so many places are trying to make the vital life-saving healthcare that we need illegal or impossible to access. I've talked about various other ways that transness intersects with healthcare before. You can see the Trans Tuesday on No Escape from my dead name and reminders that I'm trans for some difficulty I had with it and one way that it went right. And you can see the Trans Tuesday on No Escape 2 for some really messed up ways it went very wrong, although that one has a happy ending. You can also see the Trans Tuesday on discriminatory bureaucracy on more ways that trans healthcare is just entirely messed up all the way down. And for even more of an in-depth look at the topic, you can see the Trans Tuesday on the complete trans healthcare or lack thereof. How many Trans Tuesdays are you going to reference? Well, they're all related for people who are interested. Listen, there's another one. Okay. okay. You should also see <laughs> the, the Trans Tuesday on trans kids and the intake exam to see how I had to prove by transness and womanhood to cis people in order to access the medical care that I needed. And I know that that's a lot. <laughs> 
You're a lot. But trans healthcare is unfortunately often a very complicated thing. And this leads right into me reminding you that cis people are largely the gatekeepers of trans healthcare. For most of us trans folks, that means at some point and likely multiple points along the way, cis people had to agree that we needed the care and approve it for us. As trans people are such a small part of the population, it's not easy and can be impossible for some of us to find trans doctors to provide our transition care. I myself am limited to the doctors that work with my insurance and that are nearby, and none of them are trans. And if you're wondering how well cis doctors know and understand medical transition, let me tell you that it's generally not good. As far as I know, my primary care physician has zero experience with trans patients and doesn't even know about most of what I want or need. My endocrinologist has treated other trans patients before, but even still, there were things that he just didn't know or wasn't sure about. And this is sadly the norm for a whole lot of trans people. Which is really funny because of all those people who are like, it's so easy to get health care. Yeah. Like, have you tried to get <laughs> any health care? Yeah, right. Small little sampling of it. Just like, a, can I have health care, please? Yeah, yeah. Well, Ava, I wanted to ask, what what is your experience with your own transition care been like? Have you had cis gatekeepers to get past? Have you had any trans doctors at any point along the way? No trans doctors. I have a queer doctor, which who is actually okay. going to get his PhD in transgender healthcare. Wow, that's that's exciting. But before I got to him, I remember it was in 2018. Our Eddie and I's last trip to Paris because we went to Place de Vosges, and I had just come out to my primary care doctor at the times, and it, this was like at least six. No, this was a year of therapy leading up to like, all right, I went into my doctor and I want to think about getting hormones. And my therapist was like, all right, after a year, do you think you're ready? And it's like, no, but I think I'm going to do it because I can leave immediately afterwards. So I went into my doctor's office and so nervous, yeah. <laughs> still feeling the anxiety rise up. At the end of the doctor visit, I was like, I also just wanted to share with you that um, I think I'm trans and I think I want to go on hormones and then the doctor's like oh okay yeah um I have several trans patients um we will get you up to endocrinology and I guess you're gonna want to talk to plastic surgeons and I was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa hold on sir um, I'm sorry <laughs> I was just saying that I may or may not be trans and I'm thinking about hormones and you're jumping to body modifications no yeah <laughs> but it was that experience which was stressful where I was like I need to find a doctor who gets it like yeah. i've been working so long in therapy of like it's not about the external it's about the internal and if the external flows outwards yay but also loving myself from within and yeah plastic surgery was not the thing to mention to me at that time yeah so and they called me while i was on vacation and i was like all right we got you an appointment for the endocrinologist like yay yeah i think when i first told my primary care physician that I was trans and wanted to begin medically transitioning. She was just confused. She was like, oh, <laughs> like, what do I do now? Okay. Where are you, if you don't mind sharing and yeah. I guess you can cut this afterwards, but where are you based at? Uh, we're in Los Angeles. Okay. Okay. So in theory, it should be a bit more liberal out there, but in theory, in theory, but... theory. I love a good theory. Yeah. But the medical establishment is still the medical establishment everywhere you go. Very much so. I will also add to, and I don't know how the laws are in California, but because Georgia really loves their liberty, bang, bang, bang. Well, no, not doing that one. <laughs> because Georgia really likes their liberty, 
we are an informed consent state. And so I thought I had to go through all that therapy and be like, all right, I need a letter. And my therapist gave me a letter. But when I found my eventual doctor, yeah, it was through informed consent. And he was just like, all right, sign this form. Let's get you started. I was like, there's no more gatekeeping. That's it. I can just walk right through. I was like, yeah, just sign right here. And we're going to get your blood work. He's like, well, I thought we were going to have a process today. Like, you know, we're going to go out to dinner first, talk about our goals and dreams and everything. Yeah. And you're just like, blood work. I hate needles. I was not planned for this. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. California has informed consent too. But if I wanted it to be covered by my insurance, I had to go through them and that their process was not yeah that's consent. an important thing to note that like the informed consent thing is limited to a certain like there it's not like that everywhere <laughs> right right and no. it was our insurance does not cover yeah and even i know those clinics and things that people are like oh you can go to this clinic and get hormones and it's like right. there are like less than 20 clinics in the entire country that will do that. I think there's more than Something that now, like that. but it's not that many. And then you have to pay for it all out of pocket if your insurance doesn't cover it. So there's... It's it's there's basically like, a patchwork and you yeah. never know what you're going to yeah. get. Right, right. And I know when I'm looking, I'm still looking into surgery and everything, and I can't even tackle that because I cannot navigate insurance. I was like, I can it's either hard. make movies or I can navigate insurance. And right. Both. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make movies because yeah. that I don't understand, but I can do. Right. You can't, yeah, you can't surgery or something. It is overwhelming. And yeah, some people do go outside of, of like their insurance and even get their, their surgery done like overseas. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that in a minute now. So, okay then. Yeah. So I've mentioned before how because trans people are such a small part of the population, very few studies about trans healthcare have been done. So a lot of our care is anecdotal because rigorous science-backed studies about us are very few and far between. And this is not to say that things like puberty blockers and hormones are untested. They've been used safely for years in both cis and trans patients. Decades. Yes, but so few doctors are at all familiar with their application to transition care. And so we research online. We talk to each other and learn from each other, but it's still difficult because hormone replacement therapy works so very differently for every person and requires trial and error and constant adjusting until you find the right balance. If you need more information on the basics of HRT, there's also a Trans Tuesday on that. One of the refrains you'll hear a lot from the transphobes out there is how trans people are being rushed into transitioning, and that is the most laughable thing on the planet. Nothing, nothing, nothing about transition is fast. You can see the Trans Tuesday about my one-year and two-year retrospectives to see what changes I had and hadn't yet experienced from HRT. In fact, it took me 1,000 days of HRT to get up to a B-cup bra. Yay! And I mean, I knew I needed a big... Thank you for the applause. I knew I needed a bigger cup size when I ordered it, but it arrived and I tried it on and found it actually fit on day 1,000. So that's when it was confirmed for me. So what has the incredibly, incredibly slow pace of HRT been like for you, Ava? Do you find it frustrating? Do you want to get out and push? Because I do sometimes. <laughs> yes and no. I okay. I feel like I work glacially anyways, like in terms of accepting change. So sure. the slow change that my body has gone through, it's allowed me to adjust to myself, but also because, so I started hormone replacement therapy in 2019 literally right after we wrapped filming 
my short film, The Duchess of Grant Park. And I was like, yep, that all felt right. I loved living as a woman for that brief period of time in my life. And let's continue that whole thing. Got on hormones. And then next thing you know, we were in a pandemic. And yep. we were like, gonna be at home doing nothing. So it allowed me time to kind of acquaint with my body. And plus, you know, there's nothing to do during the pandemic. Like, you're just stuck at home and you're like... Yeah. Am I gonna die? Am I gonna run out of money? Is there food, toilet paper, all the all the other cool things that we're worrying about a year, four years yeah. ago, three years ago? But yeah, I I'm so horribly resistant to change that it's been so slow and gradual for me that I have not had to think about it. And I think also coming from kind of an acting and creative background, it I was already transforming my image a lot. Sure. To fit what I wanted to. So now, you know, when I take off the mask, so to speak, or step off the stage, it's like, oh, yay. I look how I want to look and I've got the courage in all the right places. Yeah. But also adding to that, and the reason I brought that pandemic in the first place is I love jelly beans and I love eating. I gained a lot of weight during the pandemic, but it was also I allowed myself to because I was like, all right, let's just let's just just plump up the body a little bit and get those curves that kind yeah. of way and the body needs it so I gave my body what it needed and it changed in that there were a lot of changes going on so yeah. I don't even know if that answered the question but those are definitely words <laughs> it did no you know that's a good point because now I'm like I'm so comfortable with where things are at I just want more of it so now I feel a little more impatient but at the beginning it was really good because it's it's a really big adjustment. Like you you said, you remember the first time that you took your your hormones, and so do I. And I was so terrified, but they work so slowly that you can change it, you can stop it before any changes even happen, and you have all this time to adjust. So yeah, yeah. I think that's something people don't consider when they're like, you know, if a fifteen year old can just get a prescription, and it's like, and then wait three years for yeah. it to work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like, they're yeah. not jacking the magic beanstalk instantaneous, like, I am woman, hear me roar. <laughs> right, exactly. And Susan, you touched on this earlier, that surgeries can take even longer. There aren't that many doctors who perform gender confirmation surgeries, and so their wait lists are often really long, sometimes years long. Some require long. multiple notes from psychiatrists or psychologists stating that you need the surgery. And it also takes and a lot of- insurance can change in the meantime, too. So exactly. Not... And then you have to start all over again. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And so it takes a lot of research to find the doctor that you think is best for you and give you what you're looking for. And some of us just have to go with whoever our insurance covers, if our insurance covers it at all. So here are the parts of my own healthcare that I learned from other trans people and by researching on my own. This will not be the same for every trans person, but this is just a look at what I had to deal with in terms of my own hormone replacement therapy. I'm on estrogen pills, which my doctor and the label on the bottle says to take orally. But when you do, it's hard on your liver and your liver destroys most of it. You end up getting very little estrogen from it compared to how much is in the pills. But if you take it sublingually by placing it under the tongue and letting it dissolve, it bypasses your liver and more of it goes directly into the bloodstream. Thus, you get more of what you want, and your liver doesn't have to work as hard. It's win-win. <laughs> did you not know this, Ava? Um, no, I did oh, not. Yeah, see, your doctor didn't tell you. Yeah, you put it under the tongue and just let it dissolve. Well, your doctor didn't tell you. No, I learned no. from other people, but... My doctor may have told me. I don't hear my doctor a lot because it's so stressful. I have a point yeah. of anxiety. <laughs> sure. 
But there's another side to it because it seems that taking it sublingually under the tongue may affect your lipid panels and maybe cause your levels of LDL to rise. I don't know if that's true for everyone. It has been for some people. It might be for me. On my recent labs, my lipid panel got markedly worse and my diet hasn't changed. My exercise hasn't really changed either. So now I'm back to swallowing the pills to see if that helps on my lipids on my next labs. I don't know. Again, there's so little information on this out there. We have to experiment. I had to ask my doctor about adding progesterone into my HRT. It wasn't something he even mentioned as something I could possibly take. And when I asked about it, he said, and I kid you not, well, it's anecdotal. And it is. Because again, so little information is out there. There's not a lot of scientific studies done on the effects of progesterone on trans women. But nearly every trans woman I talked to raved about how much it helped them. And so my endocrinologist agreed that we could try it. And at first I saw some nice results, but it seemed to just sort of stall out and nothing happened. And it was then in talking to other trans women that I discovered there are two different kinds of progesterone. And for whatever reason, my endocrinologist had put me on the synthetic version without mentioning that there was any other option. It was probably cheaper. Well, they, they cost the same for us. The cheapest but... thing. Yeah. So a while <laughs> back, I had him switch me to micronized progesterone. And then I got to the bigger cup size in my bra and I'm starting to finally get hips. I've been waiting years and there's finally something there. Every time I see them, I could fly up to the moon. It makes me so damn happy. And this is the super lovely best thing in the world, gender euphoria. And yes, of course, there's a Trans Tuesday about that too. I also learned about an alternate method of taking both progesterone and estrogen, which the community has termed boofing, which is taking them as suppositories. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. many trans women I've said they get much better results that way, but it did not seem to work for me. Again, everybody is different, and not only do our bodies respond differently to different hormones, our bodies are better or worse at processing things different ways. It involves experimentation because, again, so few studies are done. So, Ava, what parts of your own transition did you learn from other trans people or from your own research? The stuff that your doctors did not know about or bring up to you. Well, for instance, I just learned from a friend that if you take it sublingually, um, <laughs> yeah, I did not know that I am. So I'm on some online communities and I hear the advice in there, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like I, cause I have to take other medicines as well. So I end up yeah. just popping them all together and just like, whatever, it'll Same. do what it'll do in time or whatever. I have not focused on maximizing results and I should be like. A year and a half ago, the doc my doctor was like, you can get on progesterone if you want. And I was like, sure. But I have not followed through on that. <laughs> I should. You should. It's been really good. I think what I'm a little bit nervous about with the progesterone, and maybe you can tell me some more anecdotal evidence because we don't yes. have enough studies on it. Right. Mood. How is it with that? I know I'm turning the tables asking you questions. Yeah. No, it has helped me a lot. I think it feels like... It has changed my mood and the way I feel internally, like in my head, in the same way that estrogen did, but just sort of more so. Okay. And like when, as, as I get the lab results, as things are going on, and when I see my estrogen drops and my testosterone rises, I already know it's going to happen because I feel different in my, in, like, in my head. It doesn't feel like me anymore. It feels a little bit like that old person that used to be walking around. So it's yes. really strange. Interesting. Okay. I mean, you've already sold me now. I'm going to go to my doctor and be like, okay, so remember that pill you suggested like a year or so ago? Let's finally do that. Again, change in me being really resistant to it. Yeah. But, you know, it works slow, so it's okay. Yeah. 
anecdotal evidence, I all I know is that for me, I hate shots. So anything that's yeah. involved in a shot, I cannot do it. Yeah. But I am just the worst. I am just like, all right, I got the prescription. I'm going to pop these every morning. And now I get to go about my day and feel good and do the yeah. million and one things that won't get done. <laughs> that's 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 real. That's what that is. Yeah, we all know what that's like. Okay, so I want to remind the listeners out there again that all of hormone replacement therapy for trans people are drugs that were developed for cis people. Some, like estrogen and progesterone, were developed for postmenopausal cis women. Others, like testosterone blockers, are taken because we want what are considered the side effects of those drugs, most of which were developed to help cis men with things like hair loss, enlarged prostates, and things like that. None of them were developed for us. Because we're such a small percentage of the population, there's not a lot of money in it for the pharmaceutical companies. Despite what the trans folks say, because they are the stupidest people alive. There's not an ounce of truth to people saying that transition hormones are forced on people so doctors and drug companies can make money. It's laughable how untrue that is. There are not enough of like, us for and that. Even hormones are not expensive no. in the slightest. There's generics of all of them. It's not, no. Yeah. Like, as a cis personal money, my prescriptions cost way more. Yes. <laughs> so rest me. Yeah. Okay, so I'd heard from other trans women on HRT that it could cause PMS. And I was so stymied because how? It's not that I disbelieved them. I was just really confused. And then maybe six months ago, dear listener, it happened to me. What is this intense pain in my lower abdomen? Oh God, why does it hurt so bad? Why am I so emotional this week? Why am I suddenly craving chocolate and nothing else will do? Like it's such a cliche, but it's somehow true. I've never been a huge fan of chocolate. It's fine, whatever. Vidalo was always more my jam, but when the PMS symptoms hit, I need it. And it somehow actually helps alleviate some of the symptoms. It makes me feel better. I don't understand why. But what's it been like, Ava? Have you have you gotten PMS symptoms? I feel like I got a bit of it towards the beginning, and I think that's probably as my hormone levels were fluctuating yeah. a bit more. And so, of course, turning to anecdotal evidence of, yep. like, let me see yep. what the internet says. And they're like, okay, so yeah. it talks about the smooth muscle, and it could be doing this and doing that. And, you know, like, as yep. our hormones are fluctuating and doing that, then it's causing these sorts of things because the smooth muscles of the intestines, like, and then the uterine is also a smooth muscle and things like that. And I was like, that's so much science. <laughs> so much science. I'm not a science person. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. And so I don't know. I also have a really hard time not ignoring my emotions until I physically can't. But also making films is such an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And then on top of that being an actress so it's literally just like they're a dart and it could be like pms it could be being an actor we just don't know (laughs) but i will say i remember talking to to a friend during the pandemic like during the early stages like it feels like x y and z and she's like it could be a symptom of pms and i haven't really been too much since i feel like my hormone levels have kind of stabilized since then but yeah. As I've added, I like, again, it only happened to me after two years. And it was after I'd added progesterone and had been on it for a while. 
Oh, wow. And now, yeah, now it's pretty regular. I, I write down in my planner what it happens and to look forward in the next month around the same week. And it seems to be hitting monthly. And it's, it's, it's wild. I, it's so bizarre. Like, even though trans women don't have a uterus, we have the same muscles in the same places that cis women have. And those same muscles can cramp up and the same hormone induced emotional changes can happen. And okay, so here's another, another thing that happened to me. My primary doctor suggested that I take biotin to strengthen my nails, but didn't mention Mm. at all that it could interfere with blood tests, particularly those relating to hormone levels. I need to stop it a week before blood test if I want any kind of an accurate reading. And another anecdotal thing I've discovered on my own is that sometimes I just get ravenously hungry and I wouldn't know why. Nothing major had changed in my diet or exercise levels, but there would be days when I could not eat enough food. And then I discovered... It happened on days when my boobs hurt the most because they were having a growth spurt. And when I mentioned this, guess what? Other trans women went, oh my God, that happens to me too. There's this tweet that I made on April 29th of 2022. And it reads, why am I so hungry? Me (laughs) eats a big lunch, big dinner, all the leftover chips, all the leftover deli meat, tons of nuts, cookies, leans over and screams as it feels like gravity's trying to rip my chest off. Also me. Oh, the boobs are growing again. Okay, that explains it. Uh, have, have you noticed a correlation in that, Ava? When when the girls are growing, do you get extra hungry? You know, now that you put it all See? together for me. Yep. yep. <laughs> because it was literally, and again, this is why I was like, I'm not denying my body what it needs. I'm just going to give it yeah. food, lots of food. But there was definitely a lot of eating and a lot of boob growing and i just thought like all right i'm growing them naturally so i'm just gonna you know fertilize them with lots of jelly beans and other pizza nachos anything they desired (laughs) yeah yeah but that makes so much more sense now oh my god okay wow okay see anecdotal trans healthcare in action right now that would have been really nice to know, like, all right, all that boo pain was coming. I mean, I knew it was growth, but. Yeah. So if it surprises you that this much of my own health care was learned on my own and were things my own doctors either didn't know or didn't bother to tell me, you're starting to catch on. So to prep for this episode a few weeks back, I asked trans people to tell me what parts of their health care they had to learn on their own. I asked on every social media platform I'm on, and I got so many replies, DMs, and emails about it. I'm not going to quote people directly because I wasn't asking for permission to do that, but I'm going to speak in generalities. And and yes, this is anecdotal because I'm only one person and I don't have the time or resources or, let's face it, knowledge to do a true scientific study. But so many people, so many people told me they learned everything about their transition-related healthcare from other trans people or their own research. Their doctors didn't know anything. Many had to learn about different options of hormones that they could take like progesterone came up a lot a lot of trans women were not told about it from sources other than their doctors many also said they got no context from their doctors for what hormone levels were good or bad from their blood tests some said their doctors didn't even know all the different forms of hrt that are available be they pills injections patches etc a few said they weren't even shown how to properly administer their hormone shots to themselves and had to learn it from their friends Almost all who have had or looked into transition-related surgeries learned about how to find the right doctor for them from other trans people. Some said that being honest about their mental health would be a barrier to them getting the transition care they needed. 
A few said their doctors knew so little they actually gave them bad or no advice for surgery aftercare, which caused or made worse complications from surgery. Some said their doctors didn't even know or neglected to mention that there would be recovery time needed at all. Some said their doctors weren't even aware of anything beyond hormones or bottom surgery, things like voice therapy and training, facial feminization or masculinization surgery, vocal cord procedures, electrolysis, etc. were things that they had never ever heard of. Some of their doctors didn't even know the multiple different versions of bottom surgery that are available or what all the options are. Some said their doctors didn't even know about side effects of HRT or what to watch out for. Some said their doctors had no idea that things like PMS or emotional changes could accompany HRT. Some trans women said that doctors told them HRT would feminize their voice, which it absolutely does not. Many said their doctors were also unaware how simply being on the right hormones can help improve mental health in a lot of ways. Many said their doctors determined on their own what hormone levels were quote-unquote enough and refused to increase dosages or change medications to help the patient find the right combo that actually worked for them. And one, and only one person out of all respondents said that every doctor they dealt with for all of their transition-related care was helpful and well-educated on the topic. One person. I'd love to know who that person is and where that magical land exists, though, because every trans person would book a trip there right now. And sure, there's always a responsibility for all of us, cis and trans, to be knowledgeable about and involved in our own health care, to ask questions and be sure we're getting what we need. But this is really egregious. What we need is for cis people to not be the gatekeepers of trans health care, but I also don't see how that will ever be possible. There aren't enough trans people, much less enough of us who are doctors, to make that happen. So, again, we find a situation that comes down to cis people. Cis people need to do better. Trying to get the medical care we need should not be this difficult. Thank you for being here, Ava. Thank you for having me. And my final thought, I want to remind you again that cis doctors already know how to use a lot of HRT for cis patients, and plenty of cis doctors know how to use it for trans patients too, but a whole lot don't, and it's causing unnecessary barriers and complications to us getting the care we need. Cis doctors need to make understanding trans healthcare a priority. We shouldn't know more about our own healthcare than our doctors do. We shouldn't have to do it for ourselves or for each other. But until the magical day that cis doctors step up for us, we absolutely will, because we don't have any other choice. Tilly Bridges, and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges, with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, and on Insta at heckyeahtillybridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.